Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spiral Out Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Chris West. On today's show, we have Max242. What's your last name? Your actual last name? Uh, starts with a G, right? My last name is Gramajo. Uh, Max is an amazing poster artist. He has done a, a million different posters <laughs> over the years. One of the more recent ones, and what we talk about on the podcast a lot is, you know, Crucifer Tool, APC, and stuff like that. You did the the Met Philly poster, right? And uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I uh, I've only done one other, no, two other podcasts. I've done two, and this is my third one. So. It's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> it, it's 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 a thing for sure. I mean, I kind of started by just realizing how many different poster artists there were, just within the couple of bands that I really like, and uh, I just wanted to know more. You know, <laughs> and the, the the poster art, uh, the, the the whole thing with poster art, it, it's been it's been existing for a long time. There's been a lot of um, bands that use poster art, game posters. And a lot of artists that have been a part of it, but it like in the in the '90s, I remember there was a lot of really classic good artists that were doing it that I was really inspired by. But then in in uh, in about the 2010, more fans started started doing it again. Uh, just the the poster the poster art and posters, cake posters started to to really to really explode. Right. And so by, by, by 2015, it was just, it was, it was huge. Like it was a thing. And I, I'm super thankful because that's where, that's what I, what I do most of the time is, is, is gig posters. But man, I, I didn't expect it to become what it is. Like, like I look at your, I look at your background. I look at all the posters that are there. It's pretty intense. How, how many poster artists and posters there are now. And that's just the ones on the wall. <laughs> I can imagine, man. Uh, I got a portfolio uh, under my tablet where your head is, is sitting, and then I don't know if you can see it right there. I have another portfolio open. Oh yeah, I see that. I, with uh, there's, there's, with your poster right there, um, Philadelphia one. Yeah, I got uh, so many questions. By the way, um, let's kind of start with uh, your history. You're you're originally from New Jersey, right? Yeah, I was born in New Jersey. Uh, I lived in, I, I was born out there. I lived in Queens for a few years and then I moved to Los Angeles and I lived in downtown Los Angeles for a while. And after that, I've just moved all around Southern California. I've lived in um, Orange County. I've lived in the Inland Empire, Riverside County. I've lived in San Diego. And right now I'm back in Anaheim. I'm back in Orange County. So I've been in Anaheim for, for several years now, for eight years or so in the Orange County area. So I... uh I grew up in the same area. I, I currently live in Las Vegas, but okay. I grew up in like Hawthorne, Gardena, Lawndale, okay. um, Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach area, you know, went to Dodger games my whole childhood. And <laughs> yeah. uh, looking at your art, especially me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties, but it seems like your art specifically, even though you're from New Jersey, you must've moved to LA somewhat young because your art is very LA to me. Yeah. I moved to LA when I was six years old. Yeah. So I, I, I basically lived my whole life in Southern California. And uh, I'm sure you hear that a lot, like how, you know, Southern California, your art is, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I hear, I hear it. I hear it a lot. Um, I get kind of pigeonholed in that and I, I never realized that it's just, it's taking everything that I grew up with my, uh, whatever, you know, my, my, everything around me, everything that was, was trending or popular in this area. And it's just, it's influenced me a lot. You know, it's what I grew up with. And again, again, I don't want to 
I don't want to be a part of that pigeonhole because you obviously can do a lot of amazing different things with your art. Yeah. I mean, uh, from the Metallica posters, to the Dave Matthews. And, um, I mean, you've just done so many, even the Pucifer posters. I mean, that one doesn't inherently look LA, <laughs> the, yeah. the Met poster. But if you look at guess if you go through your Instagram and like, I went through your whole Instagram, <laughs> you know, from, <laughs> from day one and kind of seen, I, I guess somewhat of a progression. Um, yeah. Then you can pick out elements like the hard black lines, just again, certain line movements and, and you're like, okay, I can, I can see how, how you got there, I guess. And just refine right. your style. That's one thing that I, I don't know. It's, it's, um, if you look at my art, you can, and, and if I, if you know my story, you know why my art looks the way it does. I, I grew up with, uh, you know, 80s Saturday morning cartoons. I grew up with, um, with comic books. Comic books were a big thing for us. We collected since we were little, you know, the X-Men days and, um, I, I've always enjoyed DC comics, uh, uh, Batman, Nightwing, all that stuff. Um, there you go. Yeah. Love it. Um, so I grew up with, I grew up with all that. And so in, in being interested in that, I really fell in love with the art. I love, I fell in love with the artists. I, I really enjoy, you know, McFarlane stuff on Marvel, um, Del Keown, Sam Keith, you know, uh, uh, the, the guys at Top Cow who eventually became Top Cow, Mark Silvestri. I really, really enjoyed their work. And, and one of the guys that I really looked at was uh, later on was uh, Arthur Adams. I felt like Arthur Adams' line work kind of really paved the way for a lot of, a lot of comic book artists, the way that he utilized the brushes and, and the pens. And um, I, I just, if, if you look at my work, there's a lot of black and white line work. And there's, there's pieces that I do that have no, no black and line artwork. It's a lot of more painterly or airbrush feel. But I really enjoy the black and, light, black and white line work. It's, it's what I grew up with. It's comic books. And other artists. So I utilize that a lot. And as far as the, the content goes, um, I, I really enjoy sci-fi storylines, sci-fi movies, uh, sci-fi and horror movies, but it has kind of a mixture between comic book and graffiti art feel. So it's not so dark. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of the one this Dave Matthews one. It's like purple. It's like a, the silhouette yeah. of the girl's face. I think that's like a, in my opinion, when I think of you, like my, my brain goes there. Yeah. Cause it's like so sci-fi kind of, fantasy, but also right. like, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's just trying to tell a story, trying to, trying to bring you in and look at every corner of the piece and understand that there's something more there. And that's what fantasy is to me is really creating an atmosphere, creating something deeper than just the lines and, and the colors. It's really pulling you in and going, okay, what's, what's going on here. And that, that's what I enjoy about fantasy storylines and fantasy art. So, uh, I'm going to ask a little bit about your history. Um, so me growing up in Southern California, uh, again, I don't know how old you are, but when I was in high school, I, I can't draw, but I have friends who were also graffiti artists. I mean, obviously not to the extent it's you, but I mean, I roamed around the, with them like in the middle of the night while they're throwing up tags in different places and they carried around like a, a scalpel for different things. And, uh, yeah. uh, they had a million different tips. <laughs> uh, can you kind of touch on that? Like, did you, did you roam around as a small child, uh, doing illegal things? Um, I, uh, I grew up at, at that age, I was in the Riverside area and yeah, I, I did. Um, I didn't go out right graffiti and, and, and do some illegal work. And, um, I, I got arrested a few times. 
uh, I, I did community service because I was I, I wasn't 18 yet. The last time I got arrested, I was actually right and just turned 18. So they they still just gave me community service, and the judge was actually really really cool, man. Um, he looked at what I was doing because what I got caught doing wasn't I wasn't on the freeways at that time. I, I did go out on the streets and the freeways, but when I got caught the last time, I was up on an old water tank, like a, a, a an old water reservoir that was abandoned, and um, I was just painting a mural up there. And so they took pictures of all that. And when I went to court, the judge saw what I was doing and it was like a portrait portrait type thing. And he, he was just like, he was like, what, what, why are you doing this? And I, and I told him, I said, you know, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? I, yeah, I, how are you supposed I, to practice? Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't, um, and you know, back then street art wasn't a thing. There was no such uh, genre that was called street art. It was all graffiti art and vandalism. Um, this was in the, in the mid nineties. So you know, it, it was hard for people to understand what we were doing. A lot of people just didn't understand it. You know, it was, it, it was kind of new and everything that everybody knew about it was, was, was vandalism. So the judge, however, really took a look at it and he was like, you know, you have a talent. And I said, I, okay, thanks. And he, he was just like, um, he was like, I can do so much right now, but really, I just really want you to, to get your shit together. So um, I'm going to give you some community service and I hope that you find your way. <laughs> and that was it. He gave me, I think he gave me like 40 hours of community service and that was it. And I think, and I had restitution charge, which was like 150 bucks or something. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. So when, when did you start turning it into a professional career? Like what was your first, like, Oh shit, man. Like I can do this um, for a living. You know, and it, it, it's, it was all kind of the same and it was, it all kind of melted together because my, my upbringing isn't like a, like a fairy tale story or anything like that. You know, I grew up in, um, in, in a Hispanic household. Um, my, my mom was the, the, really the backbone of the house. My dad was never there. Um, he was, uh, he actually was, um, an, an alcoholic. He was very missing in my life. And so we didn't have a lot. We, we didn't have a lot. My mom was, was making and was doing her best to make ends meet. So what I would do is when I was in school, um, I started, I started drawing on people's hats and backpacks and drawing flyers for, for house parties and things like that. And they would give me a little bit of money. And so when I got out of school, I kind of continued that. And I started going business to business and asking to see if anybody needed a logo or anything. Um, one of the big things was, uh, my friend, Jeff Soto, he met up with a, a lady that was doing um, windows, window painting, window art. So for the holidays, we bought some some equipment and it wasn't much. And we started going business to business asking if they wanted uh, their windows painted for the holidays. They wanted snowmen and Santa Claus and things like that. We ended up making a couple grand. That's <laughs> it not was, bad. It was pretty rad. Yeah. And then from there, uh, one of my other friends opened up a print shop. And so I asked him if he needed a graphic artist, which he really didn't need a graphic artist. He had somebody, they, they did a, um, they did a lot of typesetting there. It wasn't what graphic design is today. So I offered it to him and I told him, you know, just pay me per piece. Don't, don't pay me like an hourly or, or, or a salary or anything. Just pay me per piece. And so, um, and so whenever a client would come in, I, I would offer my services to them. And I, that's kind of how I started. I started doing that. and. I think one of the, 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 the biggest pieces in my life was actually my relationship to Travis Barker. Um, I met, because Travis was from the Riverside area. Yeah. And my friends 
actually knew him and he was in a he wasn't this was before his blink 182 days he was in a band called the aquabats which yeah i love the aquabats yeah they were one of my favorite bands i was like oh my god i love them and so my friends they knew that we would go to all the aquabat show and they they worked at a at a retail store that was pretty popular as an alternative retail store and so the aquabats would come in and they knew them and so they were like hey um christian and travis are coming in today and i was like Right, and they were like, "Dude, meet it. Come up, come in, come over, and and so you can meet them. I'll introduce them to them." And that's how I met Travis was at that store, and we had some hip hop art shows. And I didn't know he was into hip hop at the time, and so he came to our shows, and him and I kind of kind of became friends. And he started, he got in Blink One Eighty Two, and he and he started a, a an apparel line called Famous Stars and Straps. Yeah, I remember. That. And I um, and I started doing artwork for them, and I got hired on as their full time artist, and. I was there about ten years. Is that is that stars and stars and straps, right? Yeah, famous stars and straps. But the, the way that I met that the my friends from the retail shop was because we went door to door from business to business, sure. offering the window painting. So it's just, and that's how we met them. It's just completely DIY. Started from literally the ground up on your feet, walking around, yeah. and yeah. you walked right into Travis Barker. <laughs> you know, eventually. Yeah. Uh, how is yep. that? Is that famous stars still around? Uh, I think they're still around. I think they're kind of they're they're kind of regrouping and they're and they're they're working on something new. I believe. Um, I haven't spoken to anybody there in a while, but from what I understand, they're still working on it. When did your first gig poster come up? Was it so, an Aquabats one? No, I did Aquabats art, and I had shown it to Christian Travis at the time that I met them, and I believe they kept the pieces. So I don't I don't know whatever happened to them. Um, but I didn't end up doing anything for the Aquabats. When Travis uh, started his line, Famous Stars and Straps, I, I was a full-time artist. And while I was there, uh, the the first couple of years, he he started a band with uh, Tom, I believe that was called uh, Boxcar Racer. Yeah, I love that band. And, and yeah, I, I really like their music. Um, and so while I was working there, I decided to do. They, I, I wasn't asked to do a gig poster. I decided to do a painting for them. And so I did because I liked their, their music. So I did. And that's what I always did. You know, music influenced me. I was always influenced, influenced by music and my art reflected that. So I created, I, I did this little painting and I, and I gave it to them and they're like, Oh, let's, let's, let's use it as a poster. And it wasn't a screen printed poster. It wasn't like an official gig poster. It was a poster that they, it was like a marketing piece that they released for their tour. Um, after that, the, the, the merchandise manager, for Blink-182, he saw what I was doing. He worked with me. I ended up doing the like one of the logos for Boxcar Racer, which was the typography. And I worked with the merchandise manager along with Travis. And he helped me out. So he ended up, he was the, the merchandise manager for Blink-182. And then he ended up being the merchandise manager for other bands. So him and I became really good friends. He is actually... I want to say this guy is responsible for a lot of gig posters now. He kind of really... He was like the dude at the front line. Um, his name is Chris Siglin, and um, I, he goes by T-shirt, T-S-U-R-T, on Instagram. T-S-U-R-T? Yeah, and he ended up being the merchandise manager for so many bands. And mm-hmm. so my first official gig poster, I did another tour poster for Blink-182 in 2009, but my first official tour poster was for Pearl Jam because Chris Siglin was the merchandise manager for, for Pearl Jam. So 
it was interesting because a lot of a lot of people start out with small bands, small venues, this and that. I jumped right into Pearl Jam. Yeah, you're like here's here's one of the biggest touring acts in the last you know thirty years, and probably one of the top ten bands that do gig posters different every show, right? Yeah, they and so I I jumped in just swinging and. It was, uh, I was really nervous to do it because I, I, I knew who they were. I mean, obviously everybody knew who they were, but I knew what, what they were doing with gig posters. And as an artist, it was a little intimidating, uh, you know, coming in and, and trying to do a piece for them. And so I, I did a little research. I knew that they were really into old skate, skate art, skateboard art, and, and just the skate scene. So I decided to reference um, one of my favorite artists, Jim Phillips. And did a um, a Santa Cruz reference for the first poster that I did. You want to hear something funny? What's that? Guess who I interviewed right before you? Jimbo who? Phillips. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, Jim and Jimbo are awesome, man. Yeah. And I, I love how Jimbo kind of carries Jim Phillips' yeah. like spirit. You know, like the art is there. Like he definitely has he that Jim it. Phillips feel. And I think he kind of takes it in a more heavier direction, in my opinion, too. It's like he's kind of same style same work but like kind of getting his own groove yeah oh yeah no definitely he does he has his own he definitely has his own voice there so yeah i referenced jim phillips for that piece um and anybody that wouldn't that 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 isn't familiar with his art or or even if you are it doesn't it's not like a a jim phillips knock it's just like a nod to jim phillips sure the 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 composition um but um after that, I I did uh, a few more Pearl Jam posters. I did some Soundgarden posters, and I started doing more Blink posters. And then um, the merchandise manager for for the band 311 contacted me, and um, I think that's probably the band that I've done the most posters for is 311. Um, I I I just had to have a good friendship with with this guy uh, Mike Dolan, and um, it's been awesome. And so from there, it just kind of just snowballed after that and that's that's mostly what i do today is is, is big posters let's let's touch on the poosifer poster if you don't mind i'm i'm somewhat new when it comes to how gig posters are are done nowadays i started off with like tool ones and they have like a completely right. different system on how they get the art find the artist print um now getting into the poosifer stuff it's it's kind of how it's done with most bands so right can you kind of go through the process of like how somebody contacts you and, and just, just the nitty gritty, I guess. So with, with this Pusifer poster, cause I've, I've done Pusifer once or twice before. Okay. And with this one, when they contacted us, they actually had a theme that they wanted the artist to go with, which was the theme of their tour, um, which was like the whole conspiracy uh, alien uh, men in black type feel. So they they gave us they gave us some art direction, which usually with posters we we usually don't get any art direction. It's kind of like they leave it up to us. Um, but Pucifer has Pucifer and another one is Primus. They've actually given us art direction. They're like, this is what our tour is, and this is the theme of the tour. So they they gave us the art direction, which is as as was what I what I mentioned. And so from there. I take that um, whenever I create a poster for a band, I, I sit down and I listen to the music. That's one of the first things that I do. I, I go in and I engulf myself with, with their sound and what they're doing and their lyrics. With this one, however, 
because the theme was 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 so black and white. There was, yeah, like, like it was just a hard theme that this is what they wanted. I, I tried to stay with that, and then I incorporated a couple little pieces of um, of Philadelphia, but I, I, I kind of snuck it in. And and the, the the main pieces were the skyline, and then uh, a nod to one of my favorite movie franchises, which is Rocky. Yeah, I threw the reflection of the the Rocky statue in there. And the funny thing is, is that I did a Primus poster uh, last year, and um, one of the things that happened was because of COVID and because of the way that the the mail was, it was it was um, the shipping was everything was slowed down. So we were very worried that the posters were going to make it to the venue on time. So I hopped on a flight to Philadelphia, and I um and I and I took the the posters myself to the venue. It was for uh, a few different venues that I, that I took the posters, and I met them in Philadelphia. And while I was there, I decided to go look at the, the uh, visit the Rocky statue and the steps and everything, and I took pictures of everything. So when I did this, I had all these pictures of all these different angles and everything of the Rocky statue. And so when I got in, they they, they mentioned Philadelphia. I was like, well, I, I was just there. <laughs> so it was rad. So it worked out really well. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so when you're, we're creating this specific poster you have in mind, like alien men in black, Philadelphia, again, having the poster, you know, right behind me, how do you choose like that, you know, specific alien head ship, you know, beam and, <laughs> Like, so, how, how do you make your artistic decisions, if you don't mind me asking? It's actually harder than you would believe, because as an artist, there are a million ideas. There are so many ideas. So for this one, I actually did several sketches, and I worked with the um, with their with their management to figure out what really would work best. So I did a I did a couple ones that were very busy, and they they decided that they wanted something a little a little less complex which honestly I felt was the better choice because I wanted something that when you look at it was very impactful. It, was, it, it grabbed you. So when something's very busy, it's a little harder to give you a, a focal point. So in, in them mentioning that they wanted one that was a little, a little less complex, um, it really helped me kind of hone in on what the story was and what the focal point was going to be. And so when I sent it to them, they, 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 they really liked it and they were like, this is the one. And that's what we ended up going with. It was, it was a lot of fun. Do you, sorry, excuse me. Do you have those other sketches handy? <laughs> I do. I do actually. Um, let me look. Would it be crazy if you uh, let let me see them and we can maybe, uh, you know, I don't want to post anything. I'm looking for them on my, searching for them right now. And while you're looking, I got another question. Are you doing one for the second leg? Uh, as of right now, I'm not, I don't believe, I haven't heard anything right now. So when you were making the, uh, again, while you're looking for that, while you were making this, these sketches, was it all digital? Yes, it was all digital. Uh, all, I do all my inking digitally now. I'm very excited to see these alternate versions. <laughs> okay, I found one of the sketches. Let me, let me send it to you. I'll send it to you on, on Instagram. Thanks, man. I'm going to check it out real quick. There, I can't, I didn't see the other ones, but this was one of them. There's one. Here's the other one that was very calm. It's so drastically different, but not at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you can see the elements, <clears throat> like they're all there. I really like the spaceman stuff, like the dude with the flag. Yeah, it was, it was, 
Yeah, because it was like the whole, uh, if you look at the Spaceman angle of it, it's the Spaceman with a camera in front of him. And so it's basically like yeah. that whole, uh, that conspiracy fake. theory that we never landed on the moon. Yeah, the fake in the moon landing type stuff. Yeah, exactly. No, it's great. And then you got a couple of spaceships. You can see the elements of like um, the eyes in the in the new one or the, the finished product. No, that's, that's yeah. super awesome. That's awesome. I really appreciate you showing me that. And then, so you take this process, you kind of, because uh, I see the skyline in the first one in the eyes. Yeah. Right? And it's it's in the second one. Uh, this one's a little bit more. Uh, That's the one. So there was a few of those, of that version. Mm-hmm. There was actually a couple different ones. And I can't, I can't find the other one right now. But it was just, it was more zoomed in on the guy that was getting beamed up. He was yeah. like the bigger focal point of it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was a, a, a nice composition. But I felt like really taking the symmetrical aspect of the alien's eyes worked a little bit better with the composition. So I, I, I zoomed in on that and, and I sent it to I sent both of them to them and they said it was just super busy. And so after I did the, the, the big alien face and the eyes and the guy being cleaned up, I was like, you know, this right here is a very, very interesting composition. So I, I just blew that up and I and I went with that when I and I re, when I resketched it out. Yeah, I'll send you that sketch. I have that sketch right here. Man, you're so awesome. Thank you. <laughs> like, so when, when I did that, I was like, man, that's, that's it right there. I, I loved it. I kind of, so I kind of missed the space guy. That that's the <laughs> like I can see taking out the Sphinx, um, and the, you know, Mr. Smith looking man in black. Yeah. <clears throat> but this, I don't know if I would have been, I, I don't know if I would have, uh, and again, your poster is amazing. It was one of the first ones where I, I didn't, I wasn't at the show and I was like, I still got to get that. Like, <laughs> um, right. but, uh, so again, this is coming from a guy who doesn't do what you do, but I freaking love the space camera, uh, flag thing. I, uh, I'm like, damn, Poosfer, you should say yes to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I liked it, you know, and I like creating very, uh, complex compositions at times. Um, you know, things that you really, you really got to look at every, every part of it. So since you're doing these on digital, cause I, it was funny, uh, Jimbo Phillips showed me a ske- like a sketch that he did, you know, for his poster and it's like yeah. on paper, <laughs> these ones, right. do you, do you have to like, uh, print them out and mess with them at all or do anything of that nature? Or is it just all? Stupid? No, the programs that I use are very, they're, they're it's kind of like doing it by hand. So I use I use Photoshop to do all the sketching, and then I can erase and 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 move things around in Photoshop. And um, you know, it's 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 like doing it by hand, just um, a little bit faster. So I, I I use Photoshop to do that, and then I use a program called Clip Studio where I do all my inking and all my line work. And so Clip Studio has brushes in there that feel very very traditional. So it's kind of like I have the brush in my hand and I'm inking. Um, it's, it's really nice. And then I bring it back into Photoshop to do the, the, the rendering. Um, just because I like the way that Photoshop feels and the way that I'm able to separate the colors for print. So <clears throat> explain, uh, the rendering process, if you don't mind. So you do this sketch, cool. you do this sketch that, uh, you know, you get this guy going, you're like, all right, I'm, yeah. I'm happy with that. You bring it into, uh, your clip studio and you start doing your solid black lines and stuff, right? Yeah. And then you take that 
and you move back over to Photoshop and you you start filling in the color, right? In different layers is, uh -huh. is what I'm guessing. It's in layers. But the thing is, is because it's being screen printed and the way that screen print works, you have to give the, you have to give the separated colors. So you have to send separations to the printer. And that gets a little bit complicated because you have to knock things out. You have to know how things work. Sure. Um, so you, you have to have an understanding of how the colors are going to lay down on top of each other. Uh, and, and that's the toughest part. Um, the other thing is, is that I use a lot of fades in my, in my pieces. So when you're doing the fades, you, you have to learn how to, um, for lack of better words, uh, pixelize them or half tone them because you can't do anything soft when it's screen printed. Everything has to have a hard edge to it. Mm -hmm. So it, it's really having that understanding of how the colors are going to, are going to sit on top of each other or with each other and creating the image in that manner so that, you know, it doesn't become a, a big mess for you to separate. Um, I, everybody separates their work differently. A lot of people flatten their pieces and then select each color with a picker, with a color picker. Um, I do it as I go. So I, I, I try to keep every color separated and I knock things out in the end and, 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 lay them on top of each other how, how I like to. So I always have to keep that in mind when I'm rendering. I have to keep in mind the, the color sequence. So which color is going to go on top of what and, and, and render that way. So then I, I pick my palette. I, I decide what colors um, I want it to be. Um, I try to stick with complementary colors as much as possible, green and red, blue and orange, um, and, and, you know, purple and yellow. Just I, I, I just look at complementary colors, colors that work well together, and I start putting them in and I decide what's going to, which one's going to push back and which one's going to come forward. So if, if I want to have warm up front, I keep all my warm colors up front or if I want to keep my cool colors in front and warm in the back, I, I decide that way. So um, I, I pick my palette, decide uh, what's going to be the, the focal point and um, the temperature that I want it and kind of go from there. And I'm guessing um, somebody had to, teach you this process at one point or did you just kind of experiment? Mostly experiment. Um, I had a, uh, a screen printer, a friend of ours, um, sit down with me and kind of, uh, explain it to me a little bit, but it's mostly been experimental. And then I've always been curious about this because I'm, I'm relatively new at this is the different types of paper. Uh, you know, you got your normal, uh, you know, gig poster paper and then they do foils and they do swirl foils yeah, yeah. and they do gold foils and sparkle foils and um how uh interested are you in like the different papers and, and foils and whatnot i am not very interested in in foils <laughs> I, I i really just am not um i i create art one way and that that is what i want my art to look like so when when it comes time to to pick um, variant paper stocks, it's very very hard for me because I created the artwork and that is how I wanted it to look. Sometimes I'll create artwork for foils specifically, while I'll have um, different uh, different areas knocked out to be in foil. But the thing is, is that it's just it's it's not easy to control to to push things forward and push things back, pull things back when you don't have control of what the foil is going to reflect. And also I've, I've heard, and again, I'm relatively new at, at, at screen printing knowledge, but you're very limited on how many colors you can use as well. Right? Like once you get like above yes. six, it becomes like super expensive. 
Yes, 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 absolutely. So, yeah, you um, you 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 have to be very strategic with the colors you're going to use and how you're going to use them. I'm sending you a few more pieces here right now. Fair enough. You can see right now. Um, you're actually. Oh wow! The only person I've shown this to. Thank you. I won't share it if you know. So you don't want me to. I love the lettering. So this was the process. You did the black and white. Then you did the. It's like the blue color. Then you did the green yeah. over that. Yep. So that's the process right there. So you can see how the colors lay. Where the color, like what colors lay and how. Wow. So one, does black count as a color? Yes, it does. So black. white doesn't count as a color. So one, two, three. What's the fourth one? The fourth one's like that purple, I think. Yeah, purple. Four. Yeah. Five. Is... And in the show version, it was actually red. But this was the, the artist variant. I think I got the red one. I think I have the show one. Yeah, this is the purple one. What was the last color? Kind of interesting, yellow, right? right? To see it yeah. all together. Yeah, no, it's 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 more than fascinating because again, you just to see it from sketch, you know, different sketches to then final sketch to then jumping to, you know, the first black, <laughs> yeah. and it's like wow, it's there. Like that's that's there, and uh, tell you the truth, this is one of the coolest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Um, just going from, and thank you for sharing just, you know, I think a, a lot of people are weary to show these types of things. Um, but in me, it's just, I, again, cause I can't draw, but I'm very interested in the process. This is, uh, this is fucking cool, man. <laughs> like, like good job. I, I guess, you know, what else did I say? You know, other than like, thank you. And that's awesome. And Wow. Um, it's it's very it's actually very time consuming. Um, I, I showed you the colors on top of each other, but I didn't show you like each color by itself. Mm -hmm. And each color by itself is is you know it's it's cutting out the highlights and 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 uh, shaping every every layer to to be to give it shape, to give it dimension to the piece. Um, but you can kind of see it as as, yeah. as we go. But, uh, sure. No, I I can definitely tell. Like this this explains a lot. You know, because I ke I kept trying to think. Okay, they have to layer the colors, but how? How do they layer the colors? And, you know, you might, I guess my question is, is so when you do this first sketch, do you do one before you lay one? Well, no, you said you, you layer the colors as you go, right? Some people do it all at once and then, you know, color pick, right? Yeah. But you're just doing it. And then, Hey, I know where my greens are going to go. I know where my orange or, or blues going. I know where my orange is going to go now. And then I'll yeah. finish it off with the yellow. Yeah, so a lot of times I do a quick thumbnail of as to what my color is going to look like. I don't think I did it for this one. I didn't. I didn't find it in my file because um, I already had a really good idea. So the way that I do it is again because I use so many fades. Um, like I, I I use an airbrush to render, a soft airbrush to render. So there's a lot of fades. Um, so there's going to be colors that are going to sit on top of each other as opposed to trapping the color. So trapping the color is a whole other thing, and you can see it where where the spaceship and the um and the letters are. So the blue, you know, it's it's is is knocked out of the letters. So I I trap the blue right there. So it has to go partially into the black outline, but not into the green area. I understand. So you trap colors. Um, I, could, I understand what you're saying. That, so it doesn't bleed. 
Right, exactly. But a lot of my work is, is airbrushed. So I let the colors sit on top of each other. So I have to be very, very strategic at what, as to what colors are going to lay well on top of each other. So I keep like my greens and my blues and my oranges and my yellows all together. And sometimes it comes out a little bit dark because once you start stacking the colors, too many colors on top of each other, it just gets darker and darker. Sorry, I'm looking at the the sketch and then I'm kind of going back and looking at the, yeah. the finished product. Because it looks fucking perfectly separated <laughs> you know, where it needs to be. And then, like you said, airbrushed in certain parts, kind of, you know, like the blue in the face on top of the green. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so I have to, I have to be very strategic as to what colors are going to lay on top of each other. So the one thing that I try to do is because we are limited in color, I try to keep families of colors that share a light color. A lot of times a light yellow or yellow can be, can cross over to blues and greens and oranges. Because when you go red, orange, yellow, that's that's a dark medium to light transition. And then you go green, light, green, yellow. Again, that's going from dark to medium to light transition. So I try to keep these families of colors and then use the light color in both of them. Because again, we're, we're, we have minimal colors to work with. So if you look at it, yellow goes across the entire piece. It is the light, lightest color. Yeah. It's, you know, kind of starts in the middle. And it's almost like the highlights of the face and... Exactly. Uh, in the background and in the middle. Yeah. So the uh, yellow is, is shared through the entire poster. I'm, I'm getting what you're putting down, my friend. Again, you're, you're school, <laughs> you're schooling me right now. And I really appreciate it. Cause again, I'm, um, I, I, I spent six months figuring out how they did the tool stuff and the process there and screen printing is completely different there. You know, this, So the only thing I would say is if you want to share the process of it, I would go ahead, except for the sketches that did not get approved. <laughs> gotcha. I wouldn't share those. But you can share everything else, the sketch to the inking, to the color layouts, all of that. You can share all of that stuff. I really appreciate that. Um, that's fucking awesome. I wouldn't have if you if you didn't. I would show friends on my phone like, hey, did you see this? Look what I got to see. Yeah, no, you, can, you can go ahead and share that. Um, it, it's just the, the sketches that didn't get approved. I wouldn't share those. That's it. No worries. I will, I, I will those not. Those are for your eyes only. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate that. So getting back into once you're done screen printing and you, you said there was a couple of times you had to take these personally yourselves. Are they screen printed at a different company or are you doing them personally? No, we have a few different screen printers that we work with and it really comes down to time. Um, these are all very time sensitive because it's for a show. It's a lockdown. It's a, there's a drop dead date that these posters have to be at the venue and some of the work that I work on is in a time sensitive you know logos for people they don't need it right away or whatever we have time but these are very time sensitive so what happens is because I have so many so much work back back to back to back sometimes I'm gonna I'm not gonna meet a printer's deadline so some printers want the posters two months in advance some printers want them a, a month in advance and there's some printers that can turn around in two weeks in and in, in, in two weeks ahead of time so depending on my schedule I decide okay, um, I'm not going to be able to get it done in this time frame, so that automatically cuts out this printer. I can't use this printer. So I, I, I just kind of create a calendar, and I try to hit that calendar. That calendar, I have to juggle it because so many projects come up. There's deadlines, different deadlines that come up, different things that come up. So I juggle this calendar, which is probably the hardest thing for me to do. Um, <laughs> as, as, an, as an artist, my time frame isn't the best at times. Um, 
but I juggle this calendar and so far I have not missed a date yet. So I'm very, good I'm job. very thankful about I don't, it. I don't know if anybody has ever told you that, but good job then. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like that's awesome. I, uh, I'm, I guess when you tell me about your calendar, I'm curious if you ever get like, Oh, I'm doing this poos for one, but I got a Pearl jam that's due in a couple of days. And like, do you ever get flustered, I guess? And of like, Shit, I actually was supposed to use that color on Pearl Jam and this color on so on three eleven. There are times where I feel that the that the palettes crossed over too much. Um, there are times where I was like, "Oh man, I just I just just did that for for um, for three eleven, and I shouldn't have done that for Purpose Fur." Whatever you know, there are times where they do cross over, or I'll be drawing something so like I'll I'll have two pieces in the works for three eleven. And then I jump on a Metallica one and the story in my head transfers over. That's what, that's um, what I was curious about. Un, unintentionally. Yeah. Unintentionally it transfers over and I'm like, okay, no, th- this isn't Metallica. I had to scrap and restart over and be like, okay, Metallica. <laughs> so like it, it, it does, it gets a little, it gets a little crazy in my head at times. So obviously Metallica's, you know, posters that I've seen you do and other people do very skull influenced. <laughs> very, very uh, skull influenced. Do you, have you ever tried to submit them one that had no skull? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think right now. I think there was a. I have was, actually. Was there like a Cthulhu one you guys did? Like I did a Cthulhu one, and I did a snake one where the the it was the the logo, mm-hmm. and I made it out of stone, kind of breaking apart, and there was a snake going through it, and it was almost crushing the logo. Sure. And that was actually a very very popular poster for me. Good. <laughs> I uh, I have. I have one Metallica poster. I'm not like a, I won't say, I don't want to say I'm not a fan. I'm a fan of all music, but, um, yeah. the art that I collect is very specific and I can't falter or I'll be a poor man. <laughs> and the two posters are rad. I love those two posters that you have. Um, I, I can't remember the artist in the, uh, top left of you, top right of me. Um, I want to say it's David Gray, but I don't think it is that one. Yeah. Oh, Alex Gray. Alex Gray. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love his work. And then you got um, Alex Kuno in the middle. Right. And then that is Audie. Uh, okay. He's a big comic book artist as well. Okay. And then yeah, it's, hard, it's a little hard. Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> yeah. There's so many. It's so rad though, man. Poster, posters and music to me are, they, they're just everything. Aside, aside from it's how I mostly make my living, it's just, I, I love music, man. Like, Same. I don't, I don't know how we could exist without it. Like, music is, is really everything. And creating these stories and, and these, these visual pieces that go along with it, it, it it's amazing. It's, it's, it's everything to me. Somebody, <clears throat> somebody asked me like one time, Chris, you spent so much money and time and you do this podcast and why? Like, what do you get out of, you know, collecting these pieces of paper? And one, I'm like, everybody collects something, first of all. Yeah. But for me specifically, whether or not, you know, you're into 311 or Dave Matthews, Pearl Jam, whatever, um, it's like extending the show. I go to a concert, yeah. you know, I hang out with friends, I hang out with people. There's a whole dynamic, you know, there's people that don't get along. There's people that are best friends. You know what I'm saying? There's this whole yeah. universe at the show. And then you go see the band. You know, hopefully you can get a poster in me and sometimes you don't, um, but you get this thing that you can take home. And again, if you're collecting them, there's the universe continues, you know, yeah. you, you trade with people, you learn about artists, you learn about 
bunch of different things. You know, you just continue that universe outside of the concert. Right. I, I look at it as like art in general, the, the posters, the uh, whatever we create is uh, it's, it's, it's our hieroglyphics. It's what, what it's the stories that we're leaving sure. and, the, and we're creating. And, you know, it's kind of like we, we learned so much from, from the, the, the Aztecs and the Mayans and the Egyptians and, you know, past cultures and, and uh, history itself um, by looking at the writings on the wall, by looking at art. And this is what this is. Like you said, this is an extension of that, that, that moment and then an extension and, and just continuing the universe. And, you know, it's an extension of the universe and that's what we're doing. This is, you know, again, to me, this is, this is what, what we do. This is who we are. Um, and this is how we as humans will continue to, to maintain our humanity and, and continue to, to share history and life and stories. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I'm I, the only thing that makes me upset about it is I found it so late in life and not lately, but like, I'm in, you know, I found it in my thirties. I'm like, damn, I went to so many shows as a kid and stuff. And like, what the hell was I doing? You know, yeah. and pretty much the answer to that is I was just poor. <laughs> I was just really poor yeah. and couldn't afford posters. And now I'm not as poor and can. Um, yeah, I uh, I have I have a handful of posters. I don't know if you can see the one behind me right here. Um, that's actually my that, that's my uh, my my holy grail. That's my um, I heard you were a big Spawn fan. That's my that's my what is it? Piece of the resistance. That's that's my that's my that's my treasure. Um, sure, your grail. That was. That is a collaboration that I did with Todd McFarlane for Pearl Jam. So it has both of our signatures on it. We both created it together, collaborated on it, and it was for Pearl Jam. So that is um, the holy the grail for you. Of, yeah. yeah so I got yeah, a couple of mine. I was going to bring that up, actually. Um, one, who initiated that uh, collaboration? Was it you? I did. You were like, yeah, hey, t- um, hey, Todd, I'm an artist. You're an artist. Let's do a Pearl Jam poster together. <laughs> okay. So the way that that came to be had to do with my time at Famous Stars and Straps. While I was at Famous Stars and Straps, we were looking for for um, for just something new, something different in in our, in, in our industry. And I, I I I had met a friend of mine, Tracy Tubera, who was working with with Todd McFarlane and the McFarlane crew. And so. I had come up with yeah, I, I had I had talked to him and I was like, man, I would love for us to collaborate with McFarland. He was like, let me put you in contact with 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 one of their managers. And I said, man, that would be great. So I brought it to Travis's attention. And I was like, hey, we we might we might be able to to work with Todd McFarland. And the first thing that that Travis thought of was, you know what they do? They were doing um, music uh, figures at the time. Yeah. So we thought, you know what would be great. It's for him because McFarlane did Slash, they did Motorhead, they did um, they did all these figures, uh, uh, just iconic music, uh, musicians. So we had thought about doing a Travis Barker figure, and um, it never it never came to be. I thought it would have been great. I think McFarlane was the right person to do it because uh, um, Travis is very animated. Travis is he's a character man. He he's like, you can't miss Travis. Like he's I'm a drummer myself. He's very unique movements and styles and yeah very unique. So I thought it, it was great. So Tracy Terrell put us in contact. We started talking to McFarland about it and in, in meeting him and talking to his whole team, 
we decided I, I brought it. I, I was like, Hey, why don't we do a collaboration with the apparel line? Take your art and put it on our apparel line and do a collaboration there. And they, they loved it. So we did that. So then, um, less than a year later is when Chris Siglin, who was the merchandise manager, the, the guy who got me in, in really into the, the poster game. He's like, Hey, I have this project that I want to do and I want you to be a part of it, but you have to, you have to find somebody that would be that, that would really make it because it's a collaboration project. So Pearl Jam did this series of collaborations. And so Chris left that up to me. He was like, you need to find somebody that's really gonna, that's really gonna make this story. And, um, he didn't know that I was working with Todd the year before. Or <laughs> Little did he know. Well, he didn't know. So I reached out to Todd's team because I was in touch with them and, and we became friends. So I became friends with the entire team. They're super awesome people. And I reached out to them and I said, Hey, um, I think Todd had worked with Pearl Jam before. Um, they're doing these set of posters and they're actually really, really successful and they'd be great. I think it would be cool for, for Todd to do it. I, I have this project, you know, and I need somebody to collaborate with and Todd would be perfect. And so, uh, my friend Joey goes and talks to Todd and he comes back to me and said, yeah, Todd's in. He wants to do it. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, just give us the details. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so I reach out to Chris, I reach out to Chris Siglin and I go, I go, Hey, I, I got someone to collaborate with. And he was like, who? I was like, uh, Todd McFarlane. And he was, he was quiet. He was like, he's like, stop fucking Todd. with me. Who do you got? <laughs> it was McFarlane. And I was like, he was like, how did you do that? I was like, I, I called him. <laughs> I called him. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did is I called them and um, I talked to Todd. I had a call with Todd and Todd and, you know, it was very surreal because I had worked with Todd before. Um, it wasn't the first time working with Todd, but this time what had happened was very, very, very interesting and surreal. He goes, Max, he's like, I love your work. He's like, I want you to direct me. He's like, I want you to create the story and I want you to, to, to direct this piece. To, to, you, you're in control. I was like, I, I, it was, it was very, I was very, it was scary. I was nervous. I was like, okay. So I thought that actually incorporating medieval spawn into the story would be rad to kind of come up with like this fantasy piece and make it like a comic book cover and take the, take the, um, the spawn logo and create a Pearl Jam logo out of it. And I, I thought it just all mixed well. And so I, I did the sketch and I drew it up and I sent it to them and they loved it. And, uh, sent it to uh, Pearl Jam, and they, they they were they were super into it, and we just got it going from there. And it was, and they probably sold out weird. in like ten seconds. <laughs> it actually, I I think I, I want to say it crashed our server at the time. Yeah, Oof. no, it's I. Yeah. When I was looking up your stuff, that one came up, and uh, again, I just figured you were a comic book fan. I I th I didn't know it was a collaboration until you told me. I figured it was just like a nod, like, Hey, I really like Todd right. and spawn and yeah. like, here's a tip of the hat. But to now know that you worked right. with him on it, it's like, no wonder I actually saw like that poster online, I think for like three grand or some shit. Yeah. 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 Um, it goes for some money, man. Um, that's awesome. No, that's, that's, that's intense. I'm guessing you've done a ton of different collaborations, but that's gotta be like, like you said, epitome, Holy grail. Um, stuff. So on that collaboration, you do the, you did the original drawing. I did the original sketch, sketch the concept for it. Um, 
when when we're done with the podcast, I'll see if I can dig them up and I'll send them over to you. So that's the whole step. We actually put them up on our F4D Studios uh, page. Um, yeah, I, I did the I did the initial idea, and then he penciled the the medieval spawn, and I penciled the little creature that medieval spawn was fighting, and he inked it, I inked it, and then I I create I created the logo and got the approval from him, and I did I did all of the coloring. I did all of that. I laid it all out and then shot him the final for approval and then shot it over to program once, once Todd approved it. Wow. That's, that's nuts. <laughs> um, yeah. I got a couple more questions and then I'll, I'll let you get back to your day. I'm, I know I'm taking some of your time. Um, it's okay. <clears throat> uh, these are kind of a little bit of ridiculous questions. I hear you collect star Wars figures. Yeah. I, um, I've been collecting Star Wars figures since they, they, they rebooted the movies in 1994, I want to say, uh, 94, 95. And I started collecting, collecting figures in general. It really had to do with McFarlane. Like, he put out his Spawn figures at the time in, in the early mid-90s. And so I started collecting toys, and I've been collecting toys since then. And I have, um, I have some little gems here and there. I have some little, little trophies. So I collect right. toys in general. So what do you think it is about, because again, I collect posters and I got a couple of little things here and there. What do you think it is about collecting in general that like lights that fire under some people? For me, it's creating an atmosphere where I can sit down and just feel creative and feel happy. And, you know, those are, those are <laughs> things that I, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I wish I had my, 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 my phone and I can show you around, but you can see, you know, like up yeah. there, those are skateboards. Um, these are, let me see, this right here, all that, those are books that are up there. Those yeah. are like art books and different books. And, you know, those are skateboards. And right on top, right there, you can't, I don't I think, I don't think you can tell, but that's, uh, that's a Storm Star Wars set. There's a Storm there's a Star Wars set right there. Okay. And then um, over here, that right there, that's a painting. And then there's more paintings. And there's just paintings and artwork and toys throughout my entire car. I have, um, I started buying uh, the One Up arcade machines, so I have a couple of those, and I want to get another one. <laughs> you got Street Fighter Two? No, I have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Pac Man right now. Nice. And for me, movies and cartoons and comic books and toys, those are things that I grew up with in in the the eighties, mid eighties, late eighties, and I guess that to me that was like a fantasy like all these pieces were fantasies and it was my happy place and i just enjoy being there i enjoy like you know the creativity that that the 80s had um you know with transformers and robotech and and uh thundercats and and star wars and yeah even though the star wars franchise began in 77 uh empire came out in 81 i want to say and to me that was one of the that was one of the greatest movies um, that along that, that one along with the original planet of the apes were mind blowing to me. Those were when, when I first watched those, I was just like, wow, what just happened? You know, that switch. And so having all that around me and, 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 and seeing that in front of me all the time, it just inspires me and it, and I just feel good. And so that to me is what, what collecting is for me is continuing. And I'm, and I'm a completist. It's pretty bad. So if I buy <laughs> one figure and it's a part of a series, I have to have the series. I don't know why. It's, I, I, I just function that way. No, I, I, I have to be careful on that because the stuff I dabble in are tours. So like I get a couple yeah. and I'm like, damn, I want the whole tour now. And it's like, yeah. well, calm down. Yeah. Calm yeah. down. Tattooing. Uh, you do a little tattooing? 
I tattooed about 10 years ago. I, I got an apprenticeship with a guy in San Diego named South Bay Mike. And then my friend Keith and Zombie Tattoo Joe, they continued my apprenticeship in the Inland Empire. And um, I started tattooing on my own after that. Tattooed for a few years. And I realized that I wasn't where I wanted to be with tattooing. Basically, I, I was kind of like, you know, what, I'm going to I'm gonna leave it to the people that are, to the experts, to the guys that are really good. Because it's like any anything else. You really, really have to go all in in order to be the best, to yeah. be your best. You don't want to do it. Half, I don't, you don't want to do it half, like uh, 90%. Exactly. I didn't. I didn't want to do it. it the, the pieces weren't what I wanted them to be. And in order for me to do that, I would have to engulf myself into tattooing, drop everything else, and just be obsessed with it. And that's how I am. I'm very obsessive. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll obsess over things. Um, so I, I recognized that I wasn't obsessing over it, so I, I felt like it wasn't for me. I, I love it, and there's times that I really, I really, really would like to do it. Um, my, my girlfriend, she's a tattoo artist. And so I actually want, I, I was asking her to kind of teach me the ways again, because tattooing now is way different. The tools are different. Everything's different. Um, and she's actually really, really talented. And so I, I was asking her and, um, as I was watching her and, 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 and seeing her go through the process, I was like, I was 50, 50. I'm like, and see, that's the problem is that I'm 50, 50. I'm not going to engulf myself. I'm not going to become obsessed with it, but I really enjoyed it. It's fun. Just art in general, just creating and tattooing is like nothing, no other medium. It's, it is like nothing. It's alive. Else. It's alive. It's, it's alive. It's um. It's not. It's not as forgiving as any any. It's the it's the most non forgiving medium there is. Um. It's just. It's 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 fun too. You know to 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 meet people and to to be a part of their story and you know that is it's it's great. But uh, but you really got to be serious about it. Like to me, art is serious. Any art is serious. Like I'm serious about it. And I want to be, I want to give my best. And whether it's a mural, whether it's a poster, whether it's a tattoo, I want to do the best that I can do. I, I don't, I don't want a 90% it. I want it to be the best that I can do uh, for the time frame, for, for, for the situation, for all of it. I, I want somebody to look at it and go, holy shit, that's pretty fucking good. Yeah. And, and not even for anybody else, but for myself, I want to know that I gave, I gave, I gave you my best. It's uh, kind of like something I heard you say in a video. You, you're betting on yourself. Yeah. You know, when it comes yep. to y your gig poster art and, you know. Yeah. And that's the way that I look at it every day. And, and that's why it is that, that I do what I do. I'm uh, I'm currently looking at your other Pucifer poster. You did one one other one or two other ones? I believe it was one other one. It was the... Um, this guy. <laughs> yeah, that one. It was like a... Like the, the, it's kind of referencing like the, the, the Virgin Mary, <laughs> but kind of giving, giving her the, cause the, and there was a thing with the wrestling mask. Yeah. So I, I put the wrestling mask on her and had her carry the little baby demon instead of baby Jesus. It was the little baby. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's awesome too. Uh, that one specifically, I, I remember seeing foils for that were awesome looking. Not that the, this yeah, one is, no. wasn't awesome looking in the foil, but specifically that one, the foils looked crazy. Yeah, the foils came out great on that one. I actually, I actually like the foils a lot on that one. Um, the colors were a little more transparent, I think, so the foil came through a little bit more. It it really pops. Last question I have: uh, What's your favorite Street Fighter Two character? 
Street Fighter 2, uh, the original would have to be Ryu, and then the expanded edition would have to be Akuma. Fair enough. I uh, I would have to go with Ryu, too. <laughs> yeah, Ryu. I think Ryu and Ken were always the easier ones. To yeah, they're solid. Utilize. But I, I enjoy Ryu more than Ken. And then when Akuma came out, he just, he just looked so rad, man. Yeah. I was like, yeah. This is probably definitely my top three favorite interviews I've ever done. Oh, uh, awesome. I'm glad. I'm no, glad. I mean, I, I learned a lot. Uh, it's always fun to talk to somebody who uh, is really passionate. And I think that's probably my last, last question is how do you keep the fire going? You know, I've talked to a lot of artists that do, you know, art for a living and sometimes they get really burned out and they don't do it for fun anymore or they, they do it less for fun and more for a job. And like, how do you keep, keep it alive? You know, it's a, it's a tough question because, yeah, I, you know, sometimes you can get burned out. I think for me, it's a little bit easier because I have so many facets to what I do. Like um, last week, we were working on a mural for two weeks. So um, I, I'll go from working on a mural for a week or so to creating a gig poster, to creating a logo, to creating some apparel designs. So I, I'm all over the place. I'm jumping around all the time. And it makes it a little bit harder at times because. I can't just engulf myself in one thing and, and, and master the one thing. Um, I feel like my, my biggest thing is I've always felt like I'm a jack of many trades and not a master of any. So yeah, I can, I can do some, I can jump on illustrator and create some vector art and some logos, or I can do, uh, I can do a mural with aerosol can or a canvas with, with a paintbrush or jump in Photoshop and, 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 or clip studio. And I can, I, I jump around all these things and I do all these things. And I love them all. I enjoy doing them all. So I think that's what keeps me from really like not loving what I do. I, it's the most interesting thing for me. I could be at my, at my desk for a month straight working on it, or I can wake up in Japan working on a mural and I never know. I never know which is the, what it's going to be. Like I, I legitimately never know where I'm going to be or what I'm going to be doing. And I think that, 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 uh, that not knowing and that, and that, that, that wanting to continue to push is, is, is just, it's, it's, it's always going to be there because I, 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 I love knowing that I don't know where I'm going to be someday. And I get it. I look forward to it. I think uh, Albert Einstein said uh, he'd rather be a guy who knows a little about a lot of things than a guy who knows a lot about one thing. So I, I'm kind of on the huh. same page where I like to dabble, you know, comics, yeah. posters, podcasts. I did film school for a while. Yeah. I think that's the way to keep your creative juices going. I think so too. I think so too. And then the, the raddest thing about all of it is the people that you meet. Like you're not just going to meet people that are doing posters or logos or design. You're going to meet those people. You're going to meet muralists. You're going to meet someone like yourself doing podcasts. You're going to meet all these people and every single person that you meet, every, every turn, every crack, every piece, adds to your story and adds to your creativity and adds to you. And, and to me, that's, that's the raddest thing about traveling and, and, and experiencing this journey of, of, of the unknown and, and just continue to create. Max, thank you so much. Will you tell the audience where they can find your stuff, where they can learn more about you and uh, 4DF studios? Yeah, I, uh, uh, I have my Instagram, which is, Maxer242, M-A-X-X-E-R 242. Uh, but mostly uh, 
I have everything on F40 Studios. Uh, it's my partner, Tim Soto, and I. Uh, we've been working on F40 Studios for a while now. Uh, so it's uh, F4, F4DStudios.com or uh, at Instagram, F4DStudios as well, which F4D stands for Fighting for Dreams. This is something we created a long time ago. Nice, nice, nice. And uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. Man, thank you for having me. This was awesome. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Spiral Out Podcast is produced by me, your host, Chris West, edited by me, researched by me. Uh, Everything is pretty much just done by me. Uh, Go to our website, spiraloutpod.podbean.com. Follow us on Instagram at spiral underscore out underscore pod. Facebook, Spiral Out Podcast. And again, if you want to see some of the images associated with this episode, Click the link in the show notes and it'll take you there. Again, thank you for listening. Spiral out. Pod dismissed. Wait, that's another show.